but I think as a leader, you have to show vulnerability um, because I think that's the only way of bringing the organization and, 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 and the group forward. Mm -hmm. uh, Hi, everyone. It's Marissa Bryan here, Head of Client Operations here at Seed, and I'm back with another episode of our Scaling So Far podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be chatting with David Eberle, co-founder and CEO at TypeWise. And TypeWise is a deep tech company on a mission to make daily lives easier by decoding human thought. The app has already been downloaded 500,000 times and is being used by 130,000 active listeners. It was also recently named as a CES 2021 Innovations Awards honoree, which, as we all know, is pretty awesome and a pretty unique thing to be able to have achieved. So, David, I'm really excited to be chatting with you today and very excited to learn what all of this is about. So welcome to the podcast. How's everything going? Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. This is a <laughs> pleasure to be here. Um, obviously, we're still in a unique situation. I'm here in Switzerland, and uh, yeah, as probably in most places of the, of the world, uh, the situation is just not, <laughs> not changing. Um, we're all getting very used to it now. It's yeah. So, yeah. David, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your story? Sure. Um, I mean, my my background is is in business. Um, mm -hmm. I've always uh, been been more on on that side um, of of the startup mm -hmm. um, of the startup space. Um, I almost uh, went into uh, went to into um, studying IT, <laughs> but. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, um, yeah, the, um, the the first day impressions really brought me to the other side um, for, mm -hmm. for the better or, or for the worse. Um, and I landed actually um, a, a corporate job um, after after my studies, which were quite international. I spent some time mm -hmm. here in Switzerland, went uh, abroad to, to Bangkok, um, wow. Thailand, and then uh, did, did my master's in Rotterdam in, in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. um, came back to Switzerland, actually went uh, uh, to work for an elevator company. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and the funny thing about elevator is, I mean, they also have computers built in, which uh, steer whether the elevator is going up or down. But these computers are like 30, 40 years old. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's pretty much the opposite from any any uh, deep tech company, as, uh, as you may call it. Um, and that's probably also what then drove me um, to, to change my career after a few years. Uh, mm -hmm. And I went as many uh, business graduates uh, into consulting, um, mm -hmm. which I think it's great to, to see a lot of different things, uh, but which on the other hand is not so great if you want to actually do something yourself. Um, mm -hmm. But I think um, during all that time, um, what pulled me closer to finally uh, creating my own company was an old like high school friend of mine. And we did create a first an online marketing agency together during studies, mm -hmm. which we've kind of maintained on the side um, throughout mm -hmm. my, my career and, and his career. And he eventually came up one day with with the idea of a uh, new smartphone keyboard made for smartphones and not like the actual keyboard we use that's made for typewriters <laughs> and mm -hmm. somehow made it onto small touch screens. And I was immediately sold on the idea and saying, hey, well, it sounds like a huge opportunity to, to recreate something that was made 150 years ago. 
and it's really not suitable for what for what it's used today. Um, but also because billions of people are are using it every day, and I immediately signed up for it without thinking much about it, and uh, that's how the whole journey started. Um, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And at what point did you think? Like, what was the trigger moment, I suppose, that made you think, I absolutely have to do this. I, ha I have to get involved in this company. I have, to, I have to get involved in founding this company. Yeah, I think it was more gradual. I, the thing is, we already had a company with this marketing mm -hmm. agency. And that was, so we were used to working together. Um, mm -hmm. My, my co-founder, Janice, and myself. And then I, we've always kind of looked for a product idea because being an agency, it's similar to consulting. You basically uh, sell your brain by the hour. Um, <laughs> people call this also other other names, but yeah. Um, and <laughs> and uh, the product is you basically build something that then independently um, of, of your involvement um, creates value. And mm -hmm. that's why I immediately thought, well, let's let's do this. Um, it's uh, it, it sounded like a good idea, um, mm -hmm. but it was not directly something that we said, hey, we do full time. Like by no means, this actually was a long process. Mm -hmm. um, we started it with a um, with a uh, Kickstarter campaign um, to 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 gauge, hey, like I'm interested on, on the market. Um, I then did actually the, an, an MBA, which gave me a year of breathing space for my career and a bit more time to focus on, on it. But then again, I was physically um, somewhere else in Asia, which again made it mm -hmm. hard to be really involved. Um, mm -hmm. And then I came back. We had our first son, which drove me back to my career and pursued this on the side. And I think at some point, we just got so frustrated by the slow progress. Um and at the same time, we had users that throughout this, let's say, prototyping phase were still using it, even after like two, two years of prototyping. And that really kept my, like this flame awake saying, hey, we have people that still use this thing and say it's really good, even though we probably barely had built 10% or 5% of what it should be like. Mm -hmm. grow into eventually um and i was like well then there must be something yeah um mm -hmm. so it's not total garbage <laughs> but there are actually people <laughs> that people using it yeah. is obviously a great idea <laughs> and and that's then uh well that was basically in 2019 um when when we decided hey um let's do this full time and we then both explored ways with our careers how we could um do this quitting our jobs uh, versus I, I uh, took a sabbatical first, mm -hmm. uh, which also with a family, I think it's, it's, it's always, a, I think it's a great way of getting time to like test the potential and also have a time box because I think the danger with these things, they kind of drag on. And if you don't really like, uh, um, you know, um, hit the curve, mm -hmm. You you may say, you may still believe in it and say let's give it another month and another month and another month, um, <laughs> and it mm -hmm. kind of suffers on. And I think at some point you need this also this pressure to say hey we have six months and it needs to work afterwards. And I think that also gives your internal pressure um, to 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 work in these milestones. And uh, and that's what we did. 
So at the end of 2019, we went full time. Um, we also had just moved houses and uh, were expecting our second child. Um, and uh, we had we, we then had six uh, months. And uh, at the end of March, it was a deadline. And uh, yeah, uh, we basically got some uh, um, investor commitments um, towards the end of March, and then I quit also my job for um, for good. And uh, mm -hmm. that's then how the whole journey really started. Yeah. So it's been a bit more of a slow burn, perhaps, than a sort of you know triggering moment, which you know potentially is a is a really good thing because as you described really eloquently, it gave you the time to to figure out all the steps along the way and and get some user feedback and user input and um and, and obviously the fact that they were using it gave you the confidence that it was still a really good idea which is um which is a great trigger moment i suppose in a way i think the danger yeah i mean the danger is that you you never do it um <laughs> or that um like often with things you have a window of of, of, of opportunity Mm -hmm. um, and if you wait too long, um, you may just reach the end of it or you may even close. Um, Fair enough. But, but then even looking back, so I sometimes tell myself, hey, we should have started this earlier. But then even, I mean, we had the first initial idea was in 2015. But mm -hmm. even then, it was already late to, to like get easy funding for an app say uh, mm -hmm. because that was like that was always the beginning what when i had little talks with potential investors not too serious because i was still working full-time mm -hmm. but we were always told already back then hey it's just an app and what are we going to do afterwards and you can't build a business out of this um mm -hmm. so i think we would have needed to be much earlier like 2012 mm -hmm. or something um to just mm -hmm. come hey we can have oh great here like five million <laughs> uh, but i think that time is long past yeah i think you need to show much more than, uh, um, than yeah just, a, sol uh, a solid um a solid idea with a, with a plan and i think that very much leads to my next question which is for you and and for your team what is the mission and vision um for typewise and and where do you want to go next <laughs> yeah no, it's a fair question. Um, and we went through a big vision mission finding phase over mm -hmm. past three months, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, so we also worked with, a, with an external coach um, on that. Mm -hmm. The great thing here in Switzerland is that um, we have a government-funded startup support program um they mm -hmm. don't give you cash but they give you vouchers that you can use for accredited coaches um, because usually you wouldn't spend money on coaches because mm -hmm. i mean <laughs> you cannot hire it feels like an extravagant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but often they bring in value at least mm -hmm. maybe the first couple of conversations you get a lot of new ideas and and expertise and with these vouchers, that really was a great way of of working with um, different experienced people along the way. And and the, one of these um, touch points was with uh, with a branding coach, mm -hmm. and he really kind of forced us through this discussion process. Where do we want to go? Because we had, I mean, initially it was my co-founder and myself, mm -hmm. and now we are um, eleven people. Mm -hmm. yeah? And and that happened over the past half year. So we were two people in June, and uh, in November we were like eleven. Um, wow. 
So, <laughs> and obviously people join you um, and we are telling them the story, but uh, yeah, you lose um, pieces or messages in, in this communication. And then everybody has a different vision of what the company stands for. And I think it's, it's very important to then bring everyone back in the same page. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, so in the end, it really came down to the beginning um, of why um, Janice and, and myself started this, which was we were inherently unhappy um, or fr even frustrated with dealing with this smartphone keyboard. Yeah? And it's not just a smartphone keyboard, it's also our keyboard in general, and it's also not just a keyboard, but in general. Um, if only computers could understand our thoughts, you would not need 50 clicks or type 200 letters to do something, but you could just think it <laughs> and it's done. And sometimes it's not a very complicated like idea you have or like request you have, mm -hmm. like book me an airline ticket from Missouri to London, but I need to open the browser. I need to enter a URL. I need to enter Zurich. I make a typo, then it gives me something else, like Zagreb. And then I, uh, yeah, and then I, it's the wrong date, then the pay, I don't know. And so suddenly you have dozens of interaction elements for a very simple question. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously the keyboard is very critical in that process because it's one of the most important, let's say, interfaces. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we started with this. But our but our vision then really came down to, and that's what you I I think said at the beginning, uh, mm -hmm. make our daily lives easier. Because we do spend hours with our devices, we do spend hours inputting information. Um, mm -hmm. and if only that piece could be more convenient, because consuming information is super convenient. Netflix, YouTube, that, uh, Spotify, mm -hmm. consuming stuff is super easy, but mm -hmm. um producing stuff like especially information and I'm not meaning taking pictures and recording videos that's also easy uh, if you look at TikTok <laughs> but uh, but producing this interactive um, information that's that's very cumbersome still because it hasn't changed mm -hmm. and that's really at the core of why we started typewise and that's also where we want to go so the keyboard um, if you ask where we want to go um, the keyboard is obviously one step on this, it's the product we have now, but the AI technology that we're building in it, which is what we call a text prediction AI, which is basically looking at all the data points that you generate on the interface. So be it tapping on keys or tapping on a touch screen um, with virtual keys, or even talking over that, like through a microphone and generating voice data. Um, that data we use to try to try to and we call it decoding your thoughts basically understanding what do you want mm -hmm. and then translating this into digital information which at this stage is text and mm -hmm. that's what you see on the screen but in the future it could directly lead to actions yeah? if if mm -hmm. i think yeah like book me a flight i don't need the text intermediary to fill out form fields but it could directly trigger um, the booking process mm -hmm. um, of, of rather than the, yeah. the and I think that's and, yeah. that's really our our vision of where this could where where this will lead to uh, fundamentally changing the way we interact with our devices. Yeah. 
and and based on how far this this part of the technological growth and expansion and disruption of the world has has come in in a, in a short time, it seems like you guys really have hit on something that that is changing the way that we interact with, as you say, the devices and 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 the different platforms that we use to consume information and, and consume content. Um, but I'd love to bring it back a little bit just to the team. You sure, mentioned yeah. something before. <laughs> you, you mentioned just earlier that you've gone from being just the two of you to being 11 of you in less, well, less than a year, really, in a matter of months. I'd love to hear it from your perspective, what your approach was to, to constructing or building your team. Um, how did you go about that? What, quadrupled, quintupled the size of the company in six months? That sounds like a... A journey, and and a, you must have well uh, had a had an interesting approach to doing that. Yeah, it's a. Or maybe you didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe maybe you went okay. Let's just try this. <laughs> I'd love to hear it though. We we did try a few things, um, and I mean, I you know, I I believe you need great people i think mm -hmm. that's that's the key um maybe that's something i took you know i took with me from from consulting where mm -hmm. being a, you know in a strategy firm which prides itself of hiring only you know the, the one two percent um we did have great people um mm -hmm. and usually you explain you explain it once to maybe a more junior employee and the person just gets it and mm. you don't have to explain it 20 times and this is nice um <laughs> uh, and quick. Your, when you're uh, scaling it's, it's, it's important that you can uh, be agile and you can be quick yeah absolutely so that was for us still very important and i think so the the tough part and yeah i mean we had a couple of learnings so so maybe we can go team by team because we have three different teams mm -hmm. we have an mm -hmm. ai team which mm -hmm. um very smart people that um it's very unique uh because mm -hmm. we need let's say uh, top engineers with ex like with language and machine learning expertise yeah? mm -hmm. and there um i think we, we need to do we needed to do a european-wide search Mm -hmm. We did this through um, the university that we collaborate with here in Switzerland, mm -hmm. the, the Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich, which is mm -hmm. like the Swiss MIT. Mm -hmm. um, and that brand name helped us to attract, um, I mean, first of all, they have a big pool already of uh, students, mm -hmm. PhDs, graduates. Um, mm -hmm. And second, also their brand name and their platform attracted significant external um applicants that mm -hmm. would i mean we probably could wouldn't have been able to to reach them with our means um and there we also leveraged expertise from our professor and his team to perform the technical side of the interviews so we That's looked cool. at like cultural mm -hmm. fit and motivation but mm -hmm. we said hey we have no idea how to i mean my co-founder is obviously also I mean, he developed the first version of the AI engine, mm. but he doesn't have 20 years of, uh, of uh, well, 20 is a bit a lot, but like, to, uh, to, uh, it hasn't been around for that long, <laughs> the latest technology. But still, um, like he doesn't have years and years and candidates and, 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 and the candidates. Mm. And there, I think using such a third party, like a professor who has worked with a lot of PhDs who can maybe very quickly say, 
okay, this guy's comparable to my top PhD or he's mm -hmm. worse than uh, everyone else in my department. Um, mm. That was super helpful. Um, and before you move on to the next team, I do just yeah. want to highlight that point because I think that's something that is um, perhaps missed um, in some of the, the other folks that we've been speaking to as part of this series is to bring in experts to help, you know, and, and it sounds like you, you and your co-founder have a really open and honest approach to this is what I know and this is what I don't know. Um, getting in a brand coach, getting in a, a professor to help you do those interviews. I mean, it's going to help kind of de-risk some of the decisions that you might make if you're if you're building a team with, with skills and experience that you're not necessarily proficient in yourself. So, you know, um, kudos to you for, for thinking to do that so early on because a lot of others don't. So, mm -hmm. yeah, really good. Yeah. So that was one, one approach um, for the um, developer team. Mm -hmm. There, well, we had two decisions to make. First of all, where do we hire people? Mm -hmm. um, because Switzerland is very expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and you see different approaches. There are, I've spoken to startups who have their entire tech team here in Switzerland. They, mm -hmm. they bring them all in from, from abroad, um, which is expensive. And I'm, in, in my view, um, at the beginning, it's very risky. Mm -hmm. um, so what we are doing, we have a hub in Belgrade in Serbia, mm -hmm. where there are great people that went through a you know, master's degree um, mm -hmm. and uh, have work experience as like many years as, as developers. Mm -hmm. um, and there um, we also utilized then help of a developer we, we know there and we regard very highly who then helped with technical interviews. Excellent. Um, yeah. So he, I mean, I was part sometimes of these interviews. I had no idea. Mm. Like he asked about memory leaks and so <laughs> forth. Uh, but he then was quickly able to say, okay, um, this guy is, is great. Or this guy, even mm. though he had 10 years experience, didn't seem, you know, uh, <laughs> like Quite a good fit. On. Yeah. Mm. So that was very helpful because it's very hard and cultural fit, I found it always, I think for me as a, yeah, I'm more used to interacting with, let's say the business side um, mm -hmm. and on the developer side, what I found is that not everyone, but with, you know, with some having a very long, let's say, um, discussion about company culture and so forth did not, uh, provide me with a lot of insights and i think the technical mm. part was much more insightful into saying hey this is the right guy and and mm. and this isn't um and it's also kind of proved true um and and setting up a, a hub in you know a country aside from where you might physically be may have a year or two ago been kind of weird and kind of unusual and kind of unique but as we know now the way that you know things have changed over the past year everybody's working out new ways of connecting with each other and you know building culture and building teams across geographic or, or other or other divides so um you've obviously had uh, the opportunity to experience all of that firsthand as well and and no doubt that distance doesn't no. feel quite so far anymore yeah yeah although i think um out like off or or, or near shoring um developers yeah, as always, that was probably the first category, and and, and of course, call centers. Um, mm. Those two were probably the, fir the first two categories to kind of uh, near or offshore anyway. Mm. Um, what was more unique was then on the marketing or growth side, mm -hmm. yeah. where 
we were very unsure um, how to how to do it. Um, we had the option of saying, "Well, I do it," which I kind of did with the help of my co-founder at the beginning. And like a year ago, we didn't know how much work it would be um, to grow because, yeah, you could also argue, well, um, you don't need ten people to grow an app; it's super scalable. Um, we then thought we could hire a junior person, like the way it was used in my consulting work, a very smart guy who learns from me and then gets his own stuff and he does his research and speaks to other people and then quickly builds the knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, we then thought of hiring a senior person who has the knowledge um, mm -hmm. or the option was also to work with an agency and say, well, it's, it's scalable, we have clear metrics um, and it's performance-based. And, and they do it because maybe you need a range of people. You need people with social media, with analytics, um, mm. with creative, um, PR. So it's a very broad field. And can you even find that single person that, that does it all? And so that was a bit the range of options that we had um, yeah, 10, 10 months ago, pretty much, last April. Um, and mm. we then test a lot of things. We put out different job ads. Um, almost the same description, but changing mainly the title from a head of marketing to a social media trainee, to a head of growth, to a growth hacker. We use mainly LinkedIn ads um, because they were very effective in driving quickly. Well, we tried a lot of things. We tried the university job boards in Switzerland. There are different startup communities. We posted it there. Um, but LinkedIn was the most let's say quick, uh, it's also very cost, yeah. um, like cost effective. We tried different locations, Zurich, Berl um, um, Berlin. Mm -hmm. um, we tried, I think Barcelona, um, Amsterdam, mm -hmm. like a bit the main tech hubs in central, I mean, in Western Europe. Um, I don't know if we tried London, um, maybe. Uh, maybe it was a bit, we felt it was a bit too far, I mean, too far away. Uh, we wanted to have it physical. Um, that time it seemed like the, the lockdown here was a seven week period and then it's probably over. <laughs> um, we all learned that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and we saw a lot of value in having that person. He's almost like a co-founder from the role. It's a very broad role um, to, to be here with us. Right, that was the initial thought. So we had, I think, over 400 applicants. Wow. Um, some, I mean, you could almost auto filter. Uh, so I didn't mm -hmm. have to um, interview four people. I think we had 20 to 30 interviews. Mm -hmm. We even had, an, yeah, we even had a headhunter from the UK that mm -hmm. also supplied us with, mm -hmm. with ideas. So it's really very broad approach. Um, and ultimately, um, we decided the following. And I, again, used an expert um, to discuss this. I, first mm -hmm. of all, used my board of directors to have mm -hmm. an interview with, with two candidates at the end. Um, and I also spoke to the head of recruiting at my former consulting firm. Mm -hmm. And I said, mm -hmm. look, uh, you, got, you have done thousands of interviews um, and you've hired very senior people. This is my situation. What would you do? And... What we did in the end was hire a senior person that we found through AngelList. So AngelList, I can highly recommend in finding Definitely. tech people. Definitely, no? yeah. 
That's something we use quite a bit as well. Yeah. That's great. Uh, it's a bit of a hit. I don't know, at least for me, it was a hidden gem. It's not the obvious thing you would mm. use for recruiting. And it seems, if you don't know it, it might seem a bit, not dodgy, but just not so... Not so, um, yeah, well well received, well used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, but actually very good, uh, very good candidate. So we found our, our VP of growth uh, from, from there. He previously mm. was the head of marketing at Uber Eats for Russia. Mm -hmm. um and that's how we came like we happened to open a a second or like a third location in moscow um <laughs> and then we decided for a junior person um where we had uh, yeah uh a, a bit of an experimentation but we also found found someone now who then by by chance also turned out to be in moscow we thought, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, he's German. We thought he's he's located in Germany. <laughs> and it turned out that he also lived in Moscow, which we also, mm -hmm. so it actually makes a lot of sense. So we have now the, the marketing team um, in, in Moscow. And uh, even a third person that came in, she's a, a, a high school student. Mm -hmm. And we thought, well, there it's low risk because it's not, it's part-time and it's also not like a super senior salary. Um, mm -hmm. So we, we could also um, like afford those resources. And now we have a quite interesting team set up. And mm -hmm. there, but the approach was on the senior person, A, there we need to be very sure. That's why I did this huge approach. And on mm -hmm. the junior side, um, we can maybe take one or like, like one risk here or there, because in the end, it's the senior person that keeps the constant, you know, the constant. And if on the junior side, we have maybe a change here or there, um, then, then that's fine. Not yeah. so much of a risk. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a myth, David, that you think needs busting when it comes to building a business or 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 a team specifically for a business? Something that, that perhaps you've heard in the past that you think is absolute BS and we need to debunk today? Good. Yeah. Good question. I'm. <laughs> um, honestly i i don't have something on, on on my mind right now i think what what i've heard once and but i i do think it's it's true that you know there are 10x developers versus the the 1x developers yeah and it's probably point. true on any on on any level it doesn't have to be just developers i think you have mm. um yeah people that just bring you forward i think it's yeah I don't know if it's, you know, if 10x is the right number per se. Um, it sounds like a lot. Um, and I think it's maybe also not fair to say this person is a 10x and you are not. But I think it's always the constellation also within the team. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think you have to try it. Um, and what I've actually heard, and it's not a myth, but it's actually very good advice from a founder here in Switzerland who, who operates a, um, it's a uh, like talent met, like recruiting platform, quite, quite large. So he also sees a lot of, uh, um, like a lot of um, uh, positions filled. He mm -hmm. says, but like hire quickly, but also fire quickly. So and I think- a really important one. I think that's a very, very important one. And, um, I think that's something um, maybe maybe it's uh, you know my my Swiss um, my Swiss uh, 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I don't even know how to say it, but my Swiss uh, sensibility or my Swiss pragmatism or my Swiss yeah maybe rationale <laughs> yeah maybe you know being being kind to everyone in a way um, or staying neutral. I don't know that uh, um, that you know it, it, it's it was difficult at the beginning to say hey is a person the right one or not. Mm. Um, and I think that's something I also had, um, like, had to learn. Um, mm. And I think you, usually that the, the decisions were also made for me, uh, you know, once uh, once in a while. Um, and then I usually, yeah, realized, hey, um, I just have to get better at under, like seeing those situations mm. Um, mm. and and just um, I think calling them out quick quicklier yeah um, i think uh, it's it's such an important point that you make um from having spoken to and worked worked with many early stage companies and and um and even later stage companies for that matter but obviously when you've made the decision to give someone a job you feel some degree of responsibility for, for making that decision for that person for their life uh, as much as anything else but often in those situations you're not really doing them any favors either if you know people aren't working out for whatever reason trying to put a square peg into a round hole like it just it just you know won't work out so um it's a really valid point that you make about about hiring quickly and firing quickly i'll also add one that you've actually talked quite a lot about today which is um you know sometimes potentially and 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 you're a founder i'm not but potentially as a founder you might think you know all the things and have all the answers and and know all the questions and uh, and and you know how to make all of the decisions and it sounds to me like you've got a really smart group of people and advisors and and helpers and and, and that around you um, in all of these different examples that you shared where you know perhaps one of the one of the myths that needs debunking is that as a founder you know everything or, or you have all of the answers and you it seems to me like you genuinely do believe and and seek out advice where you need help so um, definitely something worth calling out as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, as you look towards the rest of this year, um, what's on the agenda, apart from hopefully being able to go and see your, your folks in Belgrade and your folks in, in Moscow as well, um, what's the rest of the plans for TypeWise for this year? What are your big priorities? Yeah, we actually do need a, a physical team meeting. So a lot of... A lot of <laughs> Good uh, luck. Like, like a lot of my colleagues I haven't met once in, mm -hmm. in my life yeah? yeah and that's um yeah we've tried a couple of times but always had to postpone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now we even stop uh stop uh giving a date um mm. <laughs> i can empathize with that don't you uh, 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 <laughs> so let's see um but apart from that um yeah i think one one milestone obviously is to crack and that's a more short term is to crack the 1 million download mark. So mm -hmm. by now we're at 740, 45,000 um, as mm -hmm. of yesterday. So um, that's well on track. So this is, this seems actually well on track. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's nice to also look back a year ago um, when we launched the app in December, 2019 and really, and we had, I think after the launch about 50,000 downloads. Wow. And uh, yeah, but I was super unhappy because we felt um, we, we had good coverage. We had good PR coverage here in Switzerland, like national news, both print and digital mm -hmm. in two, three um, outlets. Mm -hmm. 
and it was quite, I think it led to maybe 20,000 downloads. Mm -hmm. And you could say you potentially reached like a million people. And this didn't seem like a great, if you put it that way, um, it didn't seem like this super amazing launch. Even yes, you say, oh yeah, it's a big number. Yes, but we thought it could be much more. Mm -hmm. I remember I said, oh yeah, maybe we, even if it goes super viral, then maybe we get even like a million downloads. Mm -hmm. And this didn't happen. So we had a, um, it was not a crypto winter, it was like a typewise winter. Um, January was really bad last year. Uh, it was two of us, no no investors wanted to come through. The downloads really dropped. I think we only had 5,000 downloads in January. Mm. And we're like, oh no, this is, and we didn't have any cash left. It was really bad. <laughs> but uh, luckily, kind of uh, the right things and happened. What but, would it be if you didn't have some ups and some downs? You know, that's where that's where you learn as well. You, you, yeah, you yeah. in business, you know that too. Yeah. That's true, but they fluctuate very like quickly quickly it's even one day great one day not great one day yeah and it really often it's what i've i mean it's really hard one thing is maybe how did the last meeting go of the day mm. um and you could have a good day but the last meeting is like a downer then i kind of feel it that that way and i never had this in my previous jobs it was mm. usually they had good, usually good weeks and there were 80% good weeks because mm. it was kind of, it was the machine that was going. And if you performed within that machine, the outcome was predictable. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. But now it, you're, you're very dependent on external um, events um, I that think, I yeah. can't sometimes influence. I mean, I reach out to prospects or investors or journalists and maybe i get the good lead back that turns into something and then this is a great day and uh, yeah whatever so that's really hard and the other one that's also really hard is not to check your your messages late at night particularly and you have a you have a young family and you've got to be all the th all things to all people so yeah yeah and it's hard now because my personal device is my uh, work device and mm -hmm. um everyone is online all the time um and yeah it's the danger of exchanging messages or you maybe just want to have a thought but then you get a reaction back to your thoughts mm -hmm. from your coworker, mm -hmm. and maybe it's not the thing or it's your react your message is misunderstood uh, because it's already late at night and it's and yeah suddenly you, and you, it's 10 p.m so you know. yeah and you definitely <laughs> start a conversation at 10 p.m and you don't want to and then you go to bed and this kind of uh, um, goes to bed with you mm -hmm. and i found that really this is something i i still struggle with and i hope it will get better over because this is not something i can do for 10 years mm. um like this is not a situation <laughs> that that i'm it's it's fine at the, at the early stage i think mm. it's how it is <laughs> but but eventually you need this more constant mm. um this the, like this constants in also in in your emotions uh, and the people was, around you being able to see yeah yeah them. i mean they, they suffer the most i guess <laughs> um, but yeah but 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 anyway coming back to to, to the objective side yeah it's 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 the, it's the one million download i think that's that's a critical milestone for us mm -hmm. um obviously um we're launching now a, a new version of the app um mm -hmm. typewise three which is coming out in uh, mid-march Mm -hmm. so uh, stay uh, tuned for that it has a completely new um auto correction technology um mm -hmm. 
which outperforms like the Google keyboard and the, and, 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 and the Microsoft Swift key. So I think this will be interesting. You can type in multiple languages at the same time and uh, use wow. your slang and dialect and whatever. Mm. Um, and then it's working on the next big product increment. Mm. And there we're still obviously looking at what makes most sense. Um, we're working on this text predict like text prediction uh, piece. And the question will be how good does it get? How much in the like how much of the sentence can it complete accurately? Um, and if that's quite accurate, it could have a fundamental impact on how the keyboard looks like. Do you mm. still need to press letter by letter? Or could the keyboard turn into something else? where you become much faster and maybe writing entire sentences with, without, in the end, dictating like, yeah, uh, letter by letter what you want to say. Um, but we believe, um, also looking at open AI, which obviously seems, um, at least in the press, very sophisticated. Mm. Um, I mean, there are also voices from that corner uh, <laughs> and I think she got fired over it from, from Google for, 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 for being critical mm. that these large language models are not practical and they don't work actually in real life situations. So we will see where the journey leads us to, but we're also, I think, how the product looked like is a bit dependent on how good the underlying AI technology performs mm -hmm. and uh, what is possible. Yeah. What is, and like I said, when we kicked off this chat earlier, how far this has come in such a short amount of time, you know, by, by technological development standards, I think you guys have, have got a huge green field in front of you as to, to how this can develop. And I'll just reiterate for anyone who might've missed it, you mentioned that the new version TypeWise 3 is coming out in mid-March and that's available to download on all of your usual app downloading platforms, mainly I think Google Play and or the Google Store and obviously Apple App Store as well. Cool. Couple of closing questions though for you, David, just to just to round out this conversation and 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 thanking you again for your incredible honesty and authenticity in the way that you've answered the questions. I think it's always way more fun when I talk to people and they tell me how, they, how they're genuinely feeling and thinking, particularly over this last little period. Um, is there anything that you are unapologetically passionate about, maybe mildly obsessed with? It can be anything lighthearted or serious, anything that occupies your brain. <laughs> it's yeah. I think it's really this this uh, startup which is occupying my brain. I I just, I just spoke to another founder who's a, a couple of years ahead, mm -hmm. and he also said, yeah, this is it's it's really it's something that that occupies you all the time. And I sometimes would like to get rid of it, <laughs> um, but it keeps. I just of, have like a Groundhog Day or a Do Over Day. Or yeah, something yeah, but it's yeah. it's it's really I yeah. I think I have to be careful that I just also don't don't annoy um the people around me too much by having dinner conversations always coming back to how did that meeting go and mm. what, what i have in mind here and and uh yeah um so so that's so that's the thing um and yeah, I think, but on the other hand, what I also enjoy is uh, sometimes really uh, working, working one-on-one -on -one, um, with, with uh, our, like, or like 
with my coworkers, mm -hmm. which I don't do that often because my role is really externally facing. I mean, what, we, what we're doing now as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I'm probably talking to 10, at least 10 new people every week that I haven't spoken to before. Mm. Um, and that's interesting, but it also gives me little time to spend with my own team. Yeah. Which then is more, more my co-founder as a CTO. He's obviously managing all the product and tech team mm. and the marketing. As I said, we have the senior person who kind of keeps like mm. can work independent with the um, with the team. Mm. But I really then sometimes also enjoy spending, I don't know, call it quality time, um, working it's maybe on nitty gritty things like uh, turning around, like talking about what is the best sentence for like this advertising or. Mm -hmm. um, which words should we use or uh, talking about like really about the product, like product designs, even though it's not my expertise, but it's sometimes nice to just uh, be involved, <laughs> just uh, brainstorm ideas um, because yeah, with the team then those ideas actually also get realized. And if I brainstorm with external with externals, that's great. But then those ideas land on my plate because <laughs> you're not going to work, do my job. So I have to do it, um, which, yeah, if you always speak to advisors and and uh, and the senior people, that's great. But it just you end up with more to do's. And uh, I think working with the team at least gives me the chance of maybe saying, hey, you could do this. I think I think it's a common challenge, David, from from having spoken to many people in your position, that you you want you you know start finding that balance between how much time you spend facing outwards versus facing inwards, and yeah, I don't have the answer as to what that exact ratio is, but but no doubt it's something that everybody's trying to yeah. trying to balance. Yeah, um, I had a I, I had an interesting advice once from from another. Well, he's a VC, he created his own VC small mm -hmm. VC fund here in Switzerland, and what he does. He always, he divides this by mornings and afternoons. Mm -hmm. So he says in the mornings he works um, proactive or proactively. Mm -hmm. And so he doesn't take calls or anything, but he um, initiates new things or works on his ideas. Mm -hmm. And in the afternoon he works reactively. And then basically he has calls and meetings where he gets pulled into. Mm -hmm. um, I found that very interesting. Now, it's an interesting, I say interesting, because I think if you, well, first of all, people in different time zones, um, and if you have people that are, you know, where you are, want, you want something from them, they dictate your timeline. Mm -hmm. And you could play just hardball and say, well, I don't care. This is my timeline, I'm only available in the afternoon. Well, fine, you can try, maybe it works. Yeah, I haven't. Um, but I, yeah, but I do, I, I started sometimes postponing meetings. Um, when I see this week is getting too full, now I feel I'm taking, I, I become more libertarian and just telling people, hey, can we just reschedule this to next week? I, yeah. I don't like, yeah, I don't have the time. Yeah. No, um, and that's exactly otherwise you, your calendar gets overloaded. Yeah. And then I don't have because I some I also have things to to obviously work on and you maybe need two hours here, two hours there. And if you always run from meeting to meeting, 
at the end of the day, you didn't do anything and just uh, talk, yeah? <laughs> just, just been in meetings. Uh, um, David, that is definitely something that I can understand myself as well. Um, and speaking of time, I want to say um, thank you for making the time to speak to us today. I have one final question um, that I'd like to ask before we close, and that is obviously as someone who's worked in, um, and you did say it was an elevator company, it's a world famous and probably one of the biggest elevator companies in the world, if not the biggest. And, um, and obviously you've been in touch with loads of fascinating people over the last period while you've been in consulting and then founding your own business is there a particular leader or or other founder out there in the world someone we know someone we don't know that you found to be particularly inspirational as as a guide for you yeah actually i had two two people uh, one was from schindler um his his name is greg Ergenbreit. he's the uh, president of schindler in the us mm -hmm. and uh, i had uh, the opportunity to work with him um mm -hmm. and while he transitioned to becoming ceo mm -hmm. so i also saw how he how he's like stepped into that role and obviously his organization has five thousand people um mm -hmm. so this is quite large um and what I really enjoyed is like the, the like this the the serious like that he was very sincere about this role. For example, he went to visit all field offices. Mm -hmm. There are sixty five of them, I believe, mm. um, which is a big, huge. Uh, it's a huge CEO. commitment. Yeah, and. Um, that that was really great and 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 then i remember that i had like i did more strategic projects like as a you know like a desk job so i didn't work on the elevators per se mm -hmm. um and i came to him with this uh, you know proposal to uh, I, I think he was uh, um, like a coaching program for for managers mm -hmm. because that's what something we uncovered that would be beneficial for the organization and then he said look david and he showed me a list of like 20 items and he said these are all proposals that have reached my desk and they're all good but i if i do all of them the organization will stand still so i have to i can pick maximum three mm -hmm. um, and then we have to do those three and then we see again what we do next mm -hmm. and that really i think was it was just great to see this in action because i understood where my project stands and um, how i felt it was important and uh, it gave me very much insight into the like the decision making mm. of uh, of someone that has this very larger like organization and uh, and also just stepped into that role and, and, and how they prioritize and, and yeah. important. Yeah, you could also say, yeah, we do a lot of things because I want to please everyone. Yeah, of course, the salespeople want this, the other people want that, and I should do everything because then everyone is happy, but then probably nobody's happy because yeah. it just doesn't work. And that was, I think, a great sign of leadership for somebody that he kind of stood up and said, this is what we do. Um, and you make yourself obviously very vulnerable because mm -hmm. he didn't have 20 years experience as a CEO. He was also mm -hmm. to the company fairly new still. Mm -hmm. uh, you're very vulnerable if you do that. Um, mm -hmm. But I think as a leader, you have to show yeah. vulnerability um, because I think that's the only way of bringing the organization and and and, and the group forward. Mm -hmm. uh, Excellent. And who's the other one? Yeah, it's it's, it's very different. Um, he's a like a a partner from from a boozing company, um, mm -hmm. Olaf Acker. He's uh, what I really enjoyed about him is that um, he's like the digital leader for for now PwC um, mm -hmm. Global. And what I really liked about him is 
he he always spoke so quickly and he had this massive flow of ideas that it was very hard to follow him so in five minutes he would give you like a one-hour pitch <laughs> um but it, i just felt it was amazing how how sharp and how um you know the like the ideas were also also needings he was he was just super quick uh, with everyone um without really being like pre i mean prepared he didn't prepare for this it was just like boom 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 mm. and i felt it was super impressive um because then yeah you have a lot of credibility mm. um and it, yeah he was also always if we needed somebody to say hey we have this digital expert <laughs> which we always needed for the clients it was always this guy yeah and uh and this also showed me how with um how with uh yeah i think smartness um in in, in the right doses undervalued uh, quality in a person particularly in a leader particularly if you look at events on the world stage over the last four or five years being actually intelligent and clever and vulnerable, as you say, for, for your previous example, are all examples of, of yeah, exceptional leadership that, that maybe when we watch the news, we don't see quite so often as we maybe used to. So Absolutely. Uh, read between the lines on that one, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I won't get into it today, though. Um, David, thank you so much for chatting with us today and taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to speak to me um, and everybody listening on this episode of Scaling so far. Um, I wish yourself and the rest of the team at TypeWise, including Janice, your co-founder, a huge, enormous luck with everything that's coming and especially with the release of TypeWise 3. Um, I know it's something that I'm super interested in because uh, your statement at the very beginning about the fact that keyboards uh, were invented for typewriters 150 years ago is probably something that not many of us have ever really thought about. So it's going to take my imagination somewhere this evening when I reflect on this. Um, so thank you. Um, and as you would say, if I was near you at the moment, juice. Oh, the pleasure was all mine. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you.